Hi everyone, Leanne Pilkington here. Welcome to episode number 25 of Courageous Conversations. And I have got with me the dynamic Kylie Walsh, who is the GM of Die Jones. Welcome, Kylie. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. All good. Just pulled over on the side of the road. It's easy. Oh, God love you. That's too funny for words. So you're sitting in the car. I am in Neutral Bay. Oh, love it. I know you owned your first real estate business as a 21-year-old. Can you tell us how that actually happened? Yeah, it's funny when I look back now. Um, look, I didn't know any better. I was working for a company-owned uh, Elders Limited office right. that was under really poor management. And I uh, went out the back, phoned my dad and said, um, listen, could you lend me some money for stamp duty and legals? I reckon this is a good thing here and we can turn it around. Oh, how funny and, are you? Um, made them an offer. Probably wouldn't do it now, to be honest. But no. back then, didn't know any different, was hungry, needy, broke, and uh, learned to have a crack. And that's how it So what made you think that you could do a better job than what was being done before? Yeah, look, I could be really, I could lie and say, you know, I knew I could provide good leadership and all the rest of it. At that stage of my life, I didn't know anything about leadership. Right. Um, I just... I had energy that was, you know, bouncing off the walls and um, I believed it wasn't hard and I thought, God, I can have a crack here and make some really good money and work with some great people. So we only had a small team at that time. Right. I was in Tamworth in regional New South Wales. Nice. Um, I like doing things differently as well and I'd had like two or three years in the eastern suburbs and saw what auction could do to your cash flow and your profiles and age. And that, that stays an obvious going auction in Tamworth and everyone said it wouldn't work. And Oh, uh, now what, know. yeah, what a great lesson that is, right? It won't work in my area. Auction doesn't work in my area. 500% and fundamentally changed my profile and our business and our market share within seven months. Wow. That's quick. Yeah, well, I, like I said, so much energy and I think energy and passion attracts people and I think yep. we forget that in the game and we get a little bit uh, negative over time and, you know, this industry does that, the life out of us. Yep. Um, but I think it's important to, you know, make sure that you continue to stay around people who are positive and aren't energy vampires and crap them off out of your life because it'll affect your earning capacity, it'll affect your health and it'll affect your overall energy. Yeah, that's so true. I don't have any time for negativity in my world either. It's um, And it's hard sometimes to let those people go, but I find if you stop emailing them and stop calling them, eventually they just disappear on their own, right? Yeah, 500%. It's just, it's, life's too short. We can't do it next time, right? It's not a dress rehearsal. Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. So you attracted the right kind of people into your world? Yeah, look, I was um, I was incredibly lucky. I had, moving back to Tamworth, I went to boarding school there and I had some people that I knew there who were actually a couple of years below me at school um, and some of those people just when we left school came and worked for me. I was incredibly lucky. Uh, I had a mentor and coach in the business as well who'd been in franchising, so that was great as well to gravitate onto that because at 21 I thought I knew it all and I didn't know anything. So he was clipping my wings and making me listen and and things like that, but uh, we just we had so much fun, and it was about fun and learning. But we were all authentic. So I was really proud that our team walked down the street and we didn't look like real estate agents. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter what marketplace you're in. Think I think the public and community and consumers can can smell bullshit a mile away. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And having a mentor slash coach all of those years ago, I don't want to age you, but you know, twenty one was a while back. Uh, like it was for me. Um, <laughs> it was an it was an unusual thing though in those days, right? Yeah, very very much so. And um, I guess you know, at, at twenty one, I had a lot of friends that were were partying or down at a local rugby club on sure. Saturday, and I just always had this innate desire to to build wealth and be around great people. So I was probably lucky at twenty one. I wasn't 
I didn't actually have a lot of friends my own age. I had a lot of people that were a lot older, older that had their own businesses. Yeah. So it comes back to that circle of friends and you're a product of your environment, you know, that old saying, birds of a feather. So I think I've just been really, really lucky to have that infrastructure and ecosystem around me and that probably elevated me a lot quicker as a business owner. Yeah, right. Was it from there you went in to do some work from a corporate perspective? So you were, you were like a, working for a franchise? Yeah, look, my husband um, had a midlife crisis early. He was a, a lawyer in Thomas and decided he wanted to change career and that was probably the trigger um, right. for me to sell a business and yep. and move on. Otherwise, I probably, probably, probably still, still there. there. Yeah, yeah. so it's good and they say everything happens for a reason and then I moved to Queensland and ran a cup there and oh, okay. then um, they moved me back to Sydney about 12 months after I was there to look after New South Wales FIT and National Ops. Okay, lots of courageous and at times frustrating conversations I would have thought in um, in that kind of environment given it's the kind of environment I work in. <laughs> yeah I think too look I so I was with Elders Limited at that stage in their corporate team I think they had five and a half thousand um, employees most of the senior management team were men yeah. and when I became national operations manager we didn't even have paternity leave um, but I must say look they, they were an incredible organization and I think sometimes um, and I know you and I have had this conversation, you let noise go on in your own head yeah. um, about things. And I can honestly say they you know, were nothing but, but nurturing. But it was a very fine line for me working in a very male-dominated um, level of management to keep, you know, my airs and graces when there was a fair bit of banter going on and swearing and things like that. And that would be the one thing I'd love people to take out of today's conversation. Yeah. Never lose the true you. Yeah. And, you know, I've been incredibly lucky in my career that it's not been about necessarily men and women, but I found it a very hard juggling act as a female in management. If you're too hard, you're a bitch. Yeah. And if you're too empathetic and emotional, you're a softie. Yeah. And, you know what I mean, that's a juggling act in itself is um, staying true to yourself. Um, but I've always, you know, words that have, have rung in my ear from, from my dad is um, at the end of the day, you're, you're still a woman and you need to remember that there's an expectation around, you know, how you pay to behave. And, and I fundamentally don't think that that's changed. Um, whether it be right or wrong, I think sometimes we forget that in our industry. No, that sounds old fashioned. No, um, I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it's old fashioned at all. I think because I too have, you know, I've been the only woman at the table. I mean, it happened as recently as this week. Twenty-two people, and I was the only um, industry female in the room. And it is really hard to sometimes, particularly when I was younger, I tried really hard to fit in. Um, and that was why I never went to any women's events, women's conferences, none of those things, because I was trying so hard to fit in and to be one of the boys. But you can't. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You've got to be true to who you are. Yeah, it's it's, it's incredibly, incredibly true. And I think sometimes we we worry. So I tried to remember when I was in corporate at LJ Cooker. You know, I take my briefcase case and bag down to the car at two. If yep. I had to leave at five or five thirty to get the kids, because when I left at five five thirty, I'd make out I was going to a meeting, so people didn't think I was leaving the office on time. Yeah, and that's just that's insanity, right? And we put so much pressure on ourselves. And I think the thing about um, you know career and life lessons is you become more real and authentic about that. So now I'm like, wow, I'm proud on Tuesday just my pick up day for the kids, and I leave the yep. office early. And guess what? All the other mums and dads in the office go, oh, thank God, she's human, she does that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think we kind of had to hide it though in those in those days because in those days it was all about the you know the people who are at their desk first and last they're the ones that are working the hardest but you know as we know now that's actually not true uh, it, yeah, it needs no. to be all about outcomes not about hours sitting on your butt in the office and technology enabled now too, you know, like here I am sitting on the side of the road. I've just prior to that, I've just had a conference with six of my team on, on teams. Like, you know, you don't need to be in the office anymore. So I no. think that um, technology has certainly enabled me, particularly in the last two or three years, to be a better, more efficient leader and get more out of my day as well. Yeah, for sure. And so I know you've done some really innovative things at Die Jones in relation to, you know, looking after your team and also being part of the community. Is there anything in particular that you're really proud of? Oh, gosh, I'm so proud of everything we've done in the last five or six years. Uh, I'm proud of the team that we've got at the moment, you know, and deviating something like 72 recruits into the company in five years that kind of you, you don't deviate off that DNA and, and that's important, so I'm proud of that. And so let's talk about yeah, let's talk about that for a second because it is you know if you ask any business owner, the most difficult thing in their job is recruitment, recruitment and retention. So 72 people in in that period of time is phenomenal. So why do you think you're able to attract that caliber of person? I'm always a big believer in how you leave a conversation is how you'll start it later. So yep. whether or not people, you know, leave you and come back, we have a boomerang award that we present at our annual awards every year for people that come back. But over my career, I suppose now that, uh, as you politely pointed out, the conversation, 21 was a while ago. Sorry. Is, <laughs> is you know, people that have worked for me previously in, in, in Tamworth and then came to Hookers and then transitioned to Die Jones. But look, I think is I'm, I'm pretty, pretty straight and I think people know that about me. I'll always have my teams back if... They are doing the right thing by us, and yep. they show royalty. Um, then, then that will be repaid. And I think as soon as you don't do that or acknowledge the right people, then you're hemorrhage. But I looked in my first seventeen weeks at Die Jones. I think I let thirty-four people go. Wow! Um, so I had to recruit quickly, and that was and I suppose being in corporate and looking for new salespeople for franchisees and franchisor. That was inherited in my DNA anyway, and yeah. I love the challenge. So now that I'm not a salesperson anymore, that recruitment element allows me to sort of you know continue to, to sell. do the close and do the deal. Yeah. Um, but I believe in what our offering is, and I think it's easy. It's like if you're that, an option agent, yeah. and you believe in options, it's easier to sell. I believe in our product and our servicing and what yep. we're doing, so it's easier to sell, and then people people buy into that. They um, do. But you know, having structures and systems around that that I've learned over the years is incredibly important. I think in our industry, we go out and reactively recruit so often. And what's the toolkit? Like going, you know, I oh, will go for a coffee. Um, you know, that's innovative, but no one does that. Um, so what is that actual recruitment meeting like and making it better than a listing presentation? So we all say to our salespeople, your listing presentation should be an 8 or 9 out of a 10. Your recruitment pitch and presentation should be an 8 or 9 out of a 10 or forget it. And then you follow up and you're nurturing. Like it takes me on average nine months to recruit somebody that is a star performer. And Rob and I have been working on someone now for two years and we're probably just getting to the stage where we might get them over the line in January. Yeah, right. Fantastic. I love that idea that your recruitment meeting needs to be a 9 out of 10 just like your listing presentation. We have those conversations with our franchisees saying, why? okay, I'm the number one agent in your market. Why would I come and work for you? And it's amazing how many people can't actually answer that question. Yeah, it's like, uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's inspiring. Yeah. Been yeah. tailoring them. So we've, we've got a couple of different recruitment packs now that depending on the, the personality and the DNA 
of who you're recruiting. So when I, you know, recruit for my ops team or finance as opposed to sales, it's a completely different pitch. Yeah. Um, and I think listening like you would in a listening presentation for those key cues as to why people are leaving where they are and then you just focus in focus in on that. And, and being like, like you know, not all business is good business, walk away from the wrong meetings. Like you instantly know yes. in your gut and you hear it time and time again, you know, recruiting in desperation, it always ends in disaster. Yeah. And, you know, old saying I've got is the you know, first time you think of getting rid of someone is the first time you should do it. And I think in the industry, we, we stall on that as well. Yeah. Um, and then you'll hang with your good people. Because they're hard conversations, right, to get rid of somebody? Uh, well, I think setting it up at the beginning. So I always say in our interviews, and I drop it into all the interviews and then the onboarding and then our first 30-day meeting is, you know, remember I said these are our core values and this is our DNA and this is what I expect in this role. So don't wait for me to come and tap you on the shoulder. I'm giving you permission now to come to me and say, it's too hard or I don't fish or this. And I've had one of those this week um, where they've sacked themselves. You yep. set it up at the beginning and let them know what the conversation needs to be and say, Look, don't make me come and do it, leave on your terms, but yep. own up and be accountable and step up. Yeah, that makes it much easier when they sack themselves. I've um, I've had that happen a few times. So in your recruitment meetings, obviously the core values of Die Jones uh, play a big part in that recruitment meeting. Yeah, and I think too, like for us, it's not just a core values that we stick on the wall. You know, we reassess it every year at conference. The team tell us what it is or what it isn't and, and if we're, you know, if we're making sure that we, we stand by those, um, it's, it's super important. And look, I'm going to be honest, like we all go through times where there might be a deviation or something happens, but I think what's important is how you rein that back in, how you address it, stand up and say, look, this was right or this wasn't, yeah. um, and fix it and uh, fix shit quickly. Yes, absolutely. So if we can go back a little bit, I know you were very generous in sharing your personal story at one of our Property Girls events up on the Gold Coast earlier this year, when you went through your cancer, how did you manage that from a work perspective and a personal perspective and the conversations that you had to have around that? Uh, Look, so I was diagnosed on the 17th of April 2016 and given how aggressive my tumour was, it was an option to keep working because I had pretty intensive chemo. Right. So I I stopped work immediately and and did, uh, did, did my chemotherapy and went back to work when I started radiotherapy, which is probably the dumbest thing I ever did. Right. Um, and then, as you know, I've been doing a been doing a trial ever since that I kind of just finished at the end of May. Yep. So, look, <laughs> work were incredible. I think I've told you the story whereby, and this aligns to, I suppose, our values and the people around you and, uh, you know, your, your vibe attracts your tribe. Yep. Every Monday, two eskies would arrive at, at our house's front door and I've got two little kids and Isabella was just two when I got diagnosed and she was just at the end of a bottle and, you know, wow. weaning her off a dummy and all those sort of things. So it was a pretty shit time. But um, the staff did a roster for six months while I had chemo where they packed the kids' lunches, morning tea, uh, dinners, fresh salads. Someone went to the fruit market. And for six months, my family did not lift a finger with meals. That's family, which is one of our core values. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, that is phenomenal. And off their own back too, right, which is better than someone telling them we're going to do it. Yes. Um, So that was amazing. So I guess the resilience there was was just as hard for my, you know, the team and my family as well. And I just think until you've been in that situation, you don't know what you're going through. But you know what? The chemo actually wasn't the hardest part, Leanne. Really? It was the, the recovery. So... For me, like you, you know, you vomit and you have all your problems, and you, you're sick for that week after chemo. And you get, you get on, and you kind of know what to expect. Yep. I think it was the 
you know, the radio and returning to work and the, and the fatigue and having to, to push through. And if I had my time again, best advice I'd give anybody else out there, if you've got cancer, and at the time I was sort of like, yeah, I've got cancer, but I'm so busy. I kind of created it like bronchitis, which is freaking yep. ridiculous. <laughs> um, and, you know, if you've got something serious, whether it be cancer or high blood pressure or whatever it is, stop. Like, you know, you can always get another job or you can always get, what you know, something that you can't get your health back. It is what it is. Do you think, though, that, that people feel like in that situation they have to be norm. They want to try and have some normality in their life because everything else is a little bit out of control? Yeah, I just don't think we talk about it enough. I mean, look, you know, this isn't having a crack to, you know, the people that organise ARIC or, you know, any of those big conferences. Yeah. But you know, when was the last time that someone got on stage at one of those things and, and, and talked about, a you know, a health journey and how they crashed and burned and what the yep. triggers and how they got back on top of it? And I know that there's a conference coming next year where that's going to be totally. you know, highlighted, which is we bloody can, amazing. We can give um, Rise a plug. Wasn't quite sure if I could say if, you know, the agenda was out or whatever. So that's going to be that's going to be incredible. But I think yep. this industry has so much burnout, yep. has so many addictive problems, yep. uh, people with breakdowns, etc. cetera, it, it's going to catch up with the industry. And I think if we don't aggress, address it on a national platform, then we could be in a lot of trouble of, of losing. And it is the high performers traditionally that have these diseases and these problems. Yep. And we need to be more honest and open about it to, to help these people. That's a really interesting point. So it is the high performers that often have the health problems and have the addictive or the addiction issues. And some people have been very open about it, but not everybody. So as a business owner, how would you suggest business owners handle that conversation? I think it all comes down to the relationship you've got with your people. Like if your people don't trust you, they're not going to share in that. Yep. But if you've got a good relationship and you're a good leader, you should recognise the triggers anyway and step in rather than letting them keep, keep going. Yep. Uh, we have a counselling service at Di Jones, have done for a number of years. Yeah, so do we. Um, and out of our staff rewards program, that's probably the number one thing that's utilised the most. That's funny, with a changing market this year, is the first time I've had the coordinator ring me from that organisation and say, listen, you're actually maxed out. <gasps> um, really? Stage, we need more credit. Yeah, and we're right. like, yeah, no problems, whatever you need. So it's the first time we've maxed out our credits with the counselling service. And that, I think that just shows the pressure that people are under in the industry. But I think like and, until we have more of a voice around this and help people, it's going to continue to be a problem. It's going to get bigger. Yep. And I think a lot of the incomes that a lot of salespeople in particular, and it's not just salespeople, I'm not picking on them, but a lot of the incomes that these guys use is, is also looking at what underneath feeds that. So, you know, maybe they need more health with finan- uh, help with financial management sure. and make sure that they're actually putting a little bit away for their logistics. And when they get out selling in 20 years, they haven't spent all the millions of dollars that they've made. So yep. I think, you know, counseling is one thing, but then what sits underneath that and how do we support them? That's what's going to retain your people. Yeah, I completely agree because, I mean, we've had such a such an incredible time in the industry up until about 2017 and then the last two years have been tough and I've been concerned about the, the emotional well-being of an, a number of our people over the last 12 months and that's not something in my 24 years that I've ever been concerned about before. So it's definitely been a lot more visible recently than previously. Yeah, I agree. And allowing people that freedom to feel that they can stand up and go I need help and not be embarrassed about it yes um you know and and getting some of these speakers that have hit rock bottom and and um or people that are happy to share and 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 get back up and the journey's a long journey so even though you know mine wasn't you know an addiction or any breakdowns or whatever I think it was um 
you know, my two-year recovery on my trial has actually been harder than my chemo on radio. Yeah. And it's only been, you know, since I did your talk that I started to talk a little bit more to the team about it and sharing what that is. And the amazing amount of people, men and women, I've had come to me and say, oh, my wife's going through it. I didn't understand what she was going through. Shit, thanks for that. Yeah. I understand now I can come in and, and help with. Yeah. So. Rather That's than great. The, you know, the cancer job, it's all more around how you can help people no matter what they're going through. Yeah. And if they look okay, it doesn't mean that they are okay. No, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. It is a really important conversation. And like you, I'm really excited about what Chris Hanley is creating. Oh, amazing. Absolutely amazing. About bloody time. That yes. She did something. So high five to Chris. What's next? What are you excited about right now? I actually just had a meeting this morning that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, I get excited when people collaborate. Yeah. So when people work in silos or they're not working together for, you know, the United Vision or not even talking, um, then nothing good happens. So, you know, I've had a great collaboration meeting this morning yep. and so excited about the future when people are sharing good ideas. So smart people to get together yep. and talk, there's only one outcome. It's when people don't get together and talk, be it industry, office, departments, and you have silos, nothing good comes from that. So, yeah, I know that sounds like a politician's answer. No, but, you, yeah, you're right. And I've seen it within a couple of organisations, the fact that there are incredible ideas and often from junior people, but no, they don't have a voice or they're too scared uh, in some environments to actually share their ideas, which is a real shame. And I'm surprised in 2019 that that is still happening. Yeah, well, I actually spoke to somebody this morning from another state who mentioned about a couple of um, challenges that they were having in their business at the moment and then that person courageously said, maybe it's my leadership. And I said, well, when was the last time you did a 360 review from your own team? Yeah. Like, you might conjure these things up in your head or they might be real, but, you know, ask your team, how are you performing? Where are you dropping the ball? Do a SWOT analysis on yourself. And that's something I do twice a year with my people to hold myself accountable. And it's amazing what comes out of that when people's names aren't attached to it. Yes. Um, so they become very real about their feedback. And I just get my EA to do that through SurveyMonkey, and that's a really good look in the mirror. And this time of year, I think prepping for that sort of stuff for next year makes you a courageous person so you can be a better leader or a better person in your functionality next year. It is a really brave thing to agree to as a leader. Uh, We did it in our organisation about 12 months ago, and some of the stuff that came out was fascinating. Yeah, and I think at the moment, like, we can't keep doing what we've always done as well. No. And like you rightly said, you know, some of the younger people, we've just put on a, a PR comms lady internally, and it's the first time we've had an internal resource. Fantastic. Um, for that. And she's, like, she's early 20s. Yeah. And just blows me away with the ideas that she's got and what she does. And, and so we can't just always do what we've always done, and particularly with tech and all the noise around, you know, API and all that sort of thing at the moment. This is the time to be courageous and stand up and go, hey, I don't know what I'm doing in that space or this worked last year or it didn't. Don't start the new year in the same space if it hasn't been a good year for you. No, exactly. And things, you know, the whole the whole world has changed, but real estate as an industry has changed so massively and there are still people out there doing things the same way that they always have done them. Yeah, well, that's that's frightening in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's still all about people and relationships, but yeah, it is a little bit, it's a little bit frustrating to try and get people to just have a broader view, take the blinkers off, I guess. And I think, I think people are terrified by all the tech and yeah. I had a conversation with some of our team yesterday and said, okay, between now and January, no more meetings with external suppliers about new stuff. Yes. We've got that much to roll in, integrate, 
you know, the network is sick of the noise. And at the end of the day, we want salespeople to list and sell in spring. Yep. That's it. That's all we want them to do. Yep. Um, and picking, I think, as, as business owners or salespeople or property managers or heads of department, when the right times of the year are to roll out new products and be courageous and own that. So if you've rolled out too much stuff in the last 12 months, back off and yep. pick the quiet times and, and when your team's going to get traction on it. And we're all guilty of it. Yeah, we are. Um, but it's a, it's a big distraction. Well, I'm finding it a big distraction in our business at the moment. At the end of the day, like you said, nothing can improve your business more than having better conversations with your customer. Yeah. 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 That's not too technical, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> so where do you, I mean, you can tell just from the way you speak that you're really energetic and you're very passionate about what you do. How do you maintain your motivation and your energy? I'm pretty quiet behind the scenes outside of work, to be yep. really honest with you. Mm-hmm. When I was in doing previous roles, you know, you'd have to go to the opening of an envelope a lot of the time. So yep. I'm very, I'm very fussy with. What I, I go know to what that's like. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and that zaps the energy out of you. I'm, I'm amazing with my health and fitness now. Yep. So there was one good thing about getting cancer. That was it. Yeah. Um, so non-negotiable on that. So I think you know, being true to yourself, being true to your family. But what, what works for you? You know, like so. I, Nothing rocks my world more than having breakfast on Thursday morning with my kids before I drop them to school. And I know that sounds so basic, but no, it's beautiful. Enjoy the ordinary. Yeah, I think that's important. And then for me, and this doesn't work for everybody, is is having that that holiday or that event that really excites me that I can look forward to and punch through to. Yeah. Um, but not working with dickheads. Yeah. Dickhead policy. Uh, um, you know, and, and crack those people off or get aligned because it just zaps your energy and we owe it to ourselves to make sure that we rock up to work with, with great people. So, yeah, for me, family, holiday, I'm a passionate person. You know, my dad always says every day that you get up and you're not pushing up daisies is a great day. Yeah, your dad's right. 500%. Yes. Well, we have been chatting for 30 minutes. Would you believe it? No, I wouldn't. Um, so I know, I know. And we could keep on going, but I will let you get back to wherever it is you need to be today. Thank you Thank so you. much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Look, I had a ball. Thank you. My pleasure. I'll see you tonight. All right. Thanks, okay. Jan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to the wonderful Kylie Walsh on our last Courageous Conversations podcast for 2019. We're actually going to take a short break and we will be back with lots more exciting episodes on the 6th of February. Can you even believe it's Christmas? Oh my goodness. Now don't forget you can subscribe and listen to all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. Have a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year.